الصلاة أحلى حاجة في دنيتي أحلى حاجة في دنيتي الصلاة إحنا مالناش غير الصلاة I'm here in Egypt, home of the Great Pyramids right behind me, the Nile River, beautiful bazaars and markets. It is beautiful. Throughout scripture, Egypt has always been a place of both danger and refuge for God's people. Looking back in the Bible, remember Joseph found favor with God while he was still in prison on his way to becoming a leader of Egypt. We know Moses followed God as he led the people of Israel out of slavery. And then Mary and Joseph fled to Egypt with Jesus to escape the decrees of a murderous king. Today, God is still strengthening his people in Egypt, even as it ranks number 16 on the world watch list of most dangerous countries in the world for Christians. Today, believers here face the looming threats of Islamic extremism. They also face daily discrimination for their faith, whether it's in their communities, in their jobs, in their schools, and sometimes even in their homes. رفائيل بدأوا الأحداث الأخيرة بقى إن هو بقى كل يومين لا ده بيخش جوا البيوت بيستهدفوا الرجال اللي موجودة جوا البيت في اثنين الأب وابنه اتحرقوا يعني ولعوا فيهم هم صحيين We live in a culture that does not accept our faith because they don't know, they don't understand so because of that mixed up mindset because of that distorted image of Christian faith uh, many Muslims, they, they look to Christians as infidels. But even in the face of this extreme persecution, they have a powerful source of God's strength, and that's your prayers. Throughout scripture, God has delivered his people through what seems almost impossible odds. When you pray for your persecuted family, both here in Egypt and around the world, you remind them that God still does that today. He's still our deliverer. <laughs> When I share that Christians around the world are praying for the Christians in Egypt, it's a refreshing news. There is a wider family of God that is checking on us, supporting us, praying for us. We do not stand alone. I want to encourage you and challenge you to make the persecuted church part of your everyday prayer life. I think it will deepen your faith, it will encourage you in ways you never dreamed of, all the while strengthening your persecuted brothers and sisters in their faith. Because we are one church and one family. Uh, as Janet said, this is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. Christians are praying around the world. And uh, on your table, I put, this is a prayer uh, force alert that comes out from Open Doors. There, and there are more copies over here, but if there are prayers for each day of the month that um, to help us intercede for our brothers and sisters. Uh, did you know that 
uh, it's believed that one in eight believers worldwide live in places where they experience high levels of persecution just for following Jesus. And I'm reminded of the scripture in 1 Corinthians. You know, John's been teaching on the church, the church. And what does the word say? If one part of the body of Christ suffers, every part suffers with us. And uh, I believe, as, as this was brought out so strongly on the film, I've been told that when uh, Voice of the Martyrs ask believers uh, what is the one thing they want us to pray, and it's that they will know, uh, that, that they want to know that they are being prayed for, and they ask for prayer. They don't ask, number one, to escape. They ask that we pray. And so this morning, we have the privilege, we have the privilege of praying for them. You know, I was thinking about the scripture that says, pray without ceasing. I know we have a lot of prayer requests, but you know, wonder if that's why it's, we need to pray without ceasing, because there are so many things to pray for. But I want to tell you, these persecuted believers are precious. They are precious to God. They are precious. You know, in Hebrews where it talks about the roll call of faith, when it talks about those that have been tortured and killed, it says the world was not worthy of them. And in heaven, they're under, they're, the martyred are under the altar of sacrifice. Their souls waiting for justice to eventually be done. So anyway, um, would you join me in prayer with them, for them? Lord God, thank you for this privilege this privilege. Remind us, Holy Spirit, to pray regularly for these brothers and sisters. Lord God, um, based on scriptures in Ephesians, Father, may they know the hope you give, and may they know how much you love them. Oh, Father, Holy Spirit, strengthen them, and strengthen and continue to grow your church. Lord God, we know that many of these believers are new. They're new believers. So, Lord God, they don't have a lot of knowledge of your word. Bring them access to your word. And Holy Spirit, cause them to remember what you have taught them in the past. And Lord God, show them how to share the gospel and help them to fearlessly tell others about Jesus. Father God, as their shepherd... May they feel your presence, O oh Lord God, your comfort and your encouragement. Even though they may walk through the narrow gorge of the shadow of death, may they remember that you're with them and that you've promised never to leave them so that they won't fear any evil or tragedy. Lord God, comfort them with your rod of authority and your staff of companionship and, and compassion. Lord God, as their shepherd, we read that they shall not want for anything. So God, Father, nurture them, protect, provide them with food, clothing, work, a safe place for them to live. And Lord God, if they've lost family through death or rejection, Lord God, surround them with a new Christian family who loves and supports them. And then, Father, remind us and remind them that we are told to pray for our enemies. So God, give them the grace to forgive their persecutors to remember to pray for them, 
their enemies. Lord God, we know many are, uh, in order to come to you, probably need visions and dreams, miraculous encounters with you. So, Lord God, we pray that for their persecutors so that they may come to salvation in Jesus. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for hearing us. We believe that we have prayed according to your will. And Lord, we just thank you that you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Galen. So there are more materials on the tables over here. There are magazines and so forth. So avail yourself of that as you leave. Turn with me to Psalm 10. Psalm 10 is the psalm that we're looking at today. We're going to look at it. We're going to read parts of it, and then I'm going to teach on preparing for persecution. And then we'll come back to the last verse if there's time. Okay, so Psalm 10, verse 1 and 2 says, Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. 7. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. Verse 8. He sits in the secret lurking places of the villages. In the secret places he murders the innocent. His eyes are secretly fixed on the helpless. You can tell it's a persecution psalm. Starting in verse 12. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the humble. Why do the wicked renounce God? He has said in his heart, you will not require an account, but you have seen it, for you observe trouble and grief to repay it by your hand. The helpless commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Verse 17, Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear, to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may oppress no more. There will come an end to the persecution. But right now it is on the increase, and it's to our wisdom to be prepared for it ourselves. Uh, flip over with me, if you can, to Revelation chapter 6. So there are a couple of verses that Mary Ann just alluded to. Revelation 6, 9 through 11. It says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. 
And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. 83% of the world today is under religious persecution. 80% of those are Christians. More believers were martyred in the 20th century than in the previous 19 centuries combined. And that was 119 million people. And those were the ones martyred. That's not counting the ones that were imprisoned and tortured but did not die. In 2020, about 260 million Christians experienced high levels of persecution. That number is now 340 million. America is still a fairly free country. Believers here turn to, tend to look at the benefits of believing in Jesus more than at the cost of surrender to him. Persecution is seldom preached from pulpits. It's more common to hear sermons on blessing than on suffering. And this isn't good for the self-centered American church. We need to be told that suffering is part of our inheritance in Christ Jesus and in God's kingdom. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Let's go to John chapter 12 and read verse 25. John 12, 25. Jesus said, He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now go to John 15. We're going to read verses 18 through 20. <clears throat> If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also, interesting how easily we pass over these scriptures. You know, we've read the Gospels how many times, but when we're specifically looking for persecution, persecution, persecution scriptures, then they really leap off the page. Uh, go to Luke chapter 21. <clears throat> Jesus warned his disciples that they would be persecuted, and they were. They were all martyred except for the Apostle John, and we're actually not sure if he eventually was martyred, but he was boiled in oil, and they couldn't kill him. He lived through it. So then they exiled him to an island of hard labor, and he eventually died a very old man. He lived the longest of any of the apostles, and as I said, we don't know if he died of old age or if he was martyred at the end. Luke 21, 16 to 17 Jesus said, you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will send some of you to your death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. So here's the promise. You know, we love to stand on the promises, right? <laughs> 
<clears throat> Here's a few of the promises. We will be betrayed. We will be hated. And we will be persecuted because of the sake of the name of Jesus that we carry. So what's persecution look like in America right now? It's just beginning here. But we are already seeing believers being silenced, shamed, marginalized, canceled. Believers can't share as freely on the internet as before. Soon our churches may not be allowed to live stream or to show on YouTube. Churches may lose their tax-exempt status because of teaching biblical morality. Already some Christian teaching is being defined as hate speech. In time, our text messages will be censored if they're not already. Some people in ministries have already lost their credit card processing providers. Some banks have already turned away believers. There are believers considering opening their own banks for Christians because secular banks are turning them away. Children who profess Jesus openly in schools have been targeted. Churches were shut down over COVID while bars were kept open. Pastors who kept their churches open during lockdown in some states were heavily fined or arrested. I read this book earlier this year, Imprisoned with ISIS, and it's by Peter Yosik. He was a son of a pastor in communist Czechoslovakia. His parents were often interrogated by the secret police for pastoring an underground church. In 2015, he was arrested in Sudan. He worked with the Voice of the Martyrs, and he had been in Sudan strengthening the persecuted church, and they arrested him. He was imprisoned and tortured for 14 and a half months. They put him in a cell with ISIS terrorists who beat him up every day. One day, uh, 12 Eritrean prisoners were added to their already crowded prison cell, and the Lord told him to share his faith with these guys. So he began to share his faith in Jesus, and all night long he shared Jesus with them. He answered their questions, and by the next morning, all 12 of them were saved. They were moved out of his cell. He never saw them again. That was a divine appointment. Suddenly, he realized he was in prison for God's purposes, and he quit praying to be released. Up until then, he had prayed daily that God would get him out of there. Then he quit praying for it. He began to look for opportunities to share Jesus. He knew that God had the key to his prison door, not the wardens, and that God would releasing, release, release him in his timing no sooner and no later. For a few months, Yasek was in a prison that had a chapel, and three times a week he got to preach to a few hundred of the prisoners. Twice a week he would preach on salvation because most of them were not saved, once a week, he preached on persecution because those who were being saved needed to know that persecution is still part of their lives. He preached that we follow a suffering Savior who allows us to suffer also. Yasek says, this persecution gospel is the true gospel of Jesus Christ. I think that's good for us to hear. This persecution gospel is the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Suffering provides an opportunity to make the invisible God visible to others. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 
Starting in verse 8, 2 Corinthians 4, 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. That's the good news behind persecution. Life works in other people as we embrace the suffering and reflect Jesus in the midst of it. Andrew Brunson was a missionary to Turkey for 25 years. In 2016, he was imprisoned on fake terrorism charges, and he spent two years in prison in Turkey. He almost turned his back on God in prison a number of times, but he did not because for years he had developed intimacy with the Lord before he was arrested. And he said this, The thing that best prepared me for my time under persecution was cultivating love for God and running after his heart. We must not become offended at God for allowing persecution. Some of our doctrine teaches that God is good and lovingly protects his children from anything bad. I believe that. I also believe that suffering is part of life. It's the same way I believe Christ is all God and all man. A mature believer knows the Christian walk involves dealing with seeming contradictions. God knew that Brunson would struggle He would break over and over again, but he also knew that during those years of drawing close to Jesus before he was imprisoned, that when he was in prison, Brunson would turn to him and not away from him. When Brunson could not feel the Lord's love or presence, he held on in faith. He was released in 2018. He is now helping the American church prepare for persecution. He goes around and speaks all around America saying it is coming and we need to be prepared. Harlan Popov was persecuted for years in communist Romania. I have a special love for Harlan Popov because he spent time in our family. When my dad pastored, he came and spoke in our church. And he told of the persecutions both publicly and then privately in our home. Scared me so bad I was afraid to go to bed at night. But he said, the, he said, what we in communist countries pray for for America, we pray persecution for you. Because the church needs what persecution will do for it. Persecution was the best thing that happened to the church in Europe. So he said this, the suffering purified the church and united the believers in brotherly love. Petty differences were put aside Brethren cared for each other and carried one another's burdens. There were no no nominal Christians. It made no sense to be a half-hearted Christian when the price for faith was so great. There came a great spiritual depth and richness in Christ I had never seen in the times before when we were free. Every man, woman, and youth was forced to count the cost and decide if serving Christ was worth the suffering. To the communists' great regret, this was the healthiest thing they could have done, for the insincere gave up. 
but the true Christians became aware of what Christ meant to them and became more dedicated than ever before. And then there's Sundar Singh. He's from India. He lived from 1889 to 1929. He just lived 40 years. He endured extreme persecution for his faith. His family tried to poison him. He was stoned and arrested many times. He was roped to a tree as bait for wild animals. Singh said, from my many years experience, I can without hesitation say that the cross bears those who bear the cross. I want to say that again. From my many years of experience, I can say without hesitation that the cross bears those who bear the cross. Another thing they did to Sangar Singh is they opened up an animal skin and they gutted it and they put him inside it and they sewed it up and they put it in the hot sun for it to shrink and crush him to death. Somehow he lived through that one. So, you know, we're the bride of Christ. Jesus will not be unequally yoked to his bride. That's why it's so important that we be purified, that we be ready when he comes back, because he will not be unequally yoked. Jesus suffered, his bride suffers, and his bride will suffer. If we are not ready for persecution, then we are in danger of renouncing our faith in fear, becoming offended at God, at the evil that he allows, or feeling abandoned by him while suffering. So we need to prepare. How do we prepare? I'm going to give you four points. First, we need to understand that persecution is coming. We need to talk about it. Jesus said we will be hated and persecuted. Pastors in China cope with arrests and prison because they expect it. And when they're arrested, they are not surprised. In fact, you cannot be an elder or a pastor in the underground church in China if you have not done prison time. That's one of the requirements. Then number two, we need to cultivate greater love for God, like Brunson spoke about. That will prepare us for the hard assignments like prison. Intimacy fuels perseverance. That means we need to develop strong daily prayer lives now. Without prayer, we don't stand a chance to make it in the days ahead. Jesus even said this in Luke 21, 36, watch and pray always that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. We must have strong daily prayer lives. We also need to study the Bible faithfully. The end times will be marked by deception, heresy, and apostasy. We have got to know the truth, and we find it here in the Word. The number three, we need to grow in our fear of God and resist our fear of man. Turn to Matthew 10. Matthew 10, 27 and 28. Matthew 10, 27 and 28. Jesus speaking here, he says, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. 
and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. In other words, don't be intimidated. Be bold. Be courageous. What God speaks to you, share it freely. Share it boldly. Verse 28, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So we're not to fear man, we are to fear God. Be resolved to stand firm under pressure and not to cave in. And then lastly, number four, strengthen your walk of holiness. Don't make excuses for your sin. It says in Romans 13, 11, and 12, he says, And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the Lord Jesus Christ. The night's almost over. Man, Jesus' is coming is so close. This is not the time to play with sin. It's not the time to make excuses for our sin, to say, this is the way I always am. Years ago, Reuben and I were teaching in Odessa, Texas, and one of the subjects I taught on, one of the men came to me and he said, you know, I, I cannot walk in what you just taught on. I've always been this way. I'm always going to be this way. And I said, you don't need to be. Jesus came to set captives free. He came to heal the wounded soul. He said, no, I, I don't want to bother with that. I know him. I'm saved. I want to just live my life the way I want to. He lived for about 20 more years in the midst of his rejection complex and, and all kinds of things that were connected with that. And after he died, his wife phoned me and she said, I thought you would like to know that right at the end, he got prayer and he got set free and he got healed. So he stepped into heaven as a healed man. You know, don't, don't hang on to old stuff. Don't hang on to old bitternesses. Don't hang on to old fears. Get rid of the sin that has been harboring in your life so that you're free. We've got, we are called to holiness. We must walk in holiness. Develop a lifestyle of repentance where you confess sin quickly and you turn away from it. So we might not all suffer for our faith. It sounds like we're all going to, and actually we may not all suffer for our faith, but we are one body in Christ. And it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one member suffers, we all suffer. So when our family members suffer for their faith, like in Egypt, like in Pakistan and Iran and China and North Korea and Eritrea and Sudan and, and Nigeria and so many countries of the earth, when they suffer, we suffer with them. And that's why it's important to pray for them, to, to realize we're all part of the large body of Christ. We don't live unto ourselves. So how often do you pray for the persecuted church? Is it part of your daily prayer life? As Marianne said, are you praying without ceasing? Is it part of your praying without ceasing prayer life? Brother Andrew of Open Doors says, our prayers can go where we cannot. There are no prisons, no borders, no doors that are closed to us when we pray. I've heard testimonies of people that were in prison cells feeling helpless and hopeless and so far from God. That's one of the worst trials of the prison is that sometimes God is silent. 
And everyone that I've studied and read about this year all said that. There are times that God is silent, and that's when it's really hard to stay faithful. But in some of these times, I've also heard testimonies where they have heard believers singing from another nation. And the Lord allows them to hear it. Suddenly their self fills with singing worship and praise because he supernaturally allows them to hear it. Or they know they're being prayed for. Peter Yosik, the uh, Czechoslovakian fellow, he said he's in the midst of this prison cell with these Muslims. He hears their loud prayers every day. He's beat up every day. He's tortured every day. He slept on a hard cement floor without any, anything. And he said, you wouldn't think I'd be able to sleep. But every night at 9 o'clock, I could lay down on that cement and go right to sleep. And he found out later that his home church in Czechoslovakia prayed for him every night at 8 o'clock. And his time, that was 9 o'clock. And as they're praying for him, he could get a good night's rest. So you never know how the Lord's going to answer our prayers. So let's consider Jesus. He could have seen the cross as torment and agony or as a necessary part of doing his Father's will. He chose the latter. Hebrews 12, 2 says he endured the cross for the joy set before him. We have the same option. We can see persecution as pain to avoid or we can see it as a necessary part of fulfilling the, law, the Father's will. While suffering on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. He forgave while being persecuted, while experiencing excruciating pain. He knew even while suffering that his father was good and trustworthy. In his agony, to whom did he commend his spirit? To his father, the one who willed the cross for him, the one who allowed the whipping and the mocking, the scourging and the crucifixion. He commended his soul to the one who chose his suffering and death. Why? Because he knew him. He knew him. Psalm 9 verse 10 says, those who know your name, your character, your reputation, they will put their trust in you. So do we know the Father well enough to trust him? When we suffer, do we believe that God will sustain us through it? Can we be bold in the face of persecution and death like Jesus was? Let's not fear the pain of suffering for Jesus. Rather, let's pray that we'll be faithful in it. By God's grace, let's prove ourselves worthy of bearing his name. Let's commend ourselves into the hands of our loving Father. In Matthew 24, Jesus told us the signs of his coming, all of which we are seeing now. He said there will be a lot of deception. We're seeing that now. Social and political upheavals, natural calamities, offense, hatred, disloyalty, betrayal, and persecution. In Matthew 24, verse 14, after he says all these terrible things that are going to be taking place, in verse 14, he says, The gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. In other words, in the midst of all the negative things, we are to persevere in spreading the gospel. We don't sit back and hide. We make every opportunity to share Jesus. 2 Timothy 2, 1 to 3 says, Be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Verse 2 says, To make disciples. Take the things I've taught you. Teach them to teachable men who will be faithful to teach others. And then in verse 3 he says, As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, be strong. 
And we need to be good soldiers of Jesus that we're strong. We're evangelizing. We're making disciples. We're enduring hardship as evil and opposition increase. Soldiers don't fear discomfort. They're always training for battle. They're always ready for whatever comes. Suffering is an invitation to greater intimacy with Jesus. In the midst of persecution, there is often revival. The church in China has grown from 3 million to 100 million during this time of persecution. The church in Iran has grown from a handful to now 1 million believers. It's the fastest growing church in the earth, and they're enduring terrific persecution. So I've mentioned in a few times this year about the Sean Fote worship revivals. Reuven, if you can get to the computer, thank you. So Sean Fote is the guy, he's from Bethel in Redding, California. He takes his guitar and a worship team and they go from city to city and they are leading worship revivals. Now this is significant because there is always revival and persecution that go together. So as we see persecution increase in America, we can expect to see revival increase in America. And already there are pockets of revival in many places. This is the high note of this message, okay? So I want us to see a seven-minute video. The first four and a half minutes are clips of different revivals in different cities. You'll see the city show up, and you'll see the crowd of people worshiping the Lord and running to the altar. They run to the altars to get right with God. There are water baptisms out there in troughs. You'll see a little bit of that. And then I want us to hear the first song that Sean leads. And this is in a worship revival that took place just two weeks ago in Washington, D.C., and, he, and the first song he leads is all about Jesus being the king of all the earth and all the nations. And that's how Psalm 10 ends, that he is the king over all the earth and everything is in his hands. So, Reuben, if you can start that. He, he left for Iraq today or yesterday with his family, yeah. Okay.
now reached the United States. Airports around the world are stepping up. We told you about the governor's new order requiring churches to cut singing out of services to cut down on possible... Church choirs silenced. Singing has been banned at all church services in California. The extraordinary order from Governor Gavin Newsom comes as a new report and we held hands together and we made this declaration on the bridge that a new Jesus people movement is coming to America again. Christians demanding to let us worship after the state ban singing in church. Say your name and spell it. I'm God, G-O-D. I'm doing this interview and it's getting kind of weird. If I send you a headshot, could you check it out? This interview. So I asked the Lord, what's next after all this? And I heard him speak to me, you haven't seen anything yet.
Come on, the government is on your shoulders. Come on, sing that with me tonight. The government is on your shoulders. The hearts of kings are in your hands. The nations rage, the earth is groaning for you to across this land would you move across this land we're speaking life we're speaking life over this nation we're speaking truth where lies have reign we sing the name that ends oppression come and move across this land Move across this Come on, sing it. You are high. You are high and lifted up. You were seated far above. So we crown you with our love, King Jesus. Every earthly kingdom falls here before the Lord of all. So we crown you. negative to talk about persecution because none of us like pain. But hey, we serve King Jesus and he's worth it all. And in the midst of persecution, there are so many coming into the kingdom of God right now. So let's be on the forefront of what the Lord does. Let's be part of the evangelistic team. Let's make disciples. Let's pray for the sick. Let's be active in prayer and let's see what God will do in our city, in our nation. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Let's go worship. (laughs) 